Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 38, A Small Small Ship and a Star to Sail or Two. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's uh, two weeks since the last show, so I think I'm right on schedule, which is unusual lately. Today's show is one I've been wanting to do for a while, actually. I've been wanting to talk about today's game, Astro Novice Merchant Advanced, for a while now, so I'm glad to finally get to this. As usual, the show's going to start with some news, then I'm going to get into what I've been up to recently, followed by an update on Solitaire Gaming Month, and finally we're going to look at Astro Novice Merchant Advanced. So the news. Got a few items this time. One is Victory Point Games has started to sell via distributors. They're just beginning that. I think they're currently available through one distributor, and are probably going to be getting through more of them soon, which means Victory Point Games are now going to be available relatively easy at local game stores. That's interesting since they do publish quite a few solitaire-friendly titles like all the States of Siege games and the Disaster in the Himalayas series and quite a few other games that play solitaire. Next up is a, a few Kickstarter items. One is a game called Galaxy Defenders, which apparently I'd missed for a while and I only just saw this last week. It is a cooperative sci-fi miniatures game and it I think it ends in about a week or so. It seems to be pretty doing pretty well, and it looks pretty interesting. Next is a game I'd mentioned before, Upon a Fable, which I had seen on Kickstarter and then seemed to have disappeared, and now I find it again and again. This one's been on for a few weeks. It's another cooperative game, more in the style of a Euro game. Um, it's a worker placement game with really nice-looking art. And the third Kickstarter item is Run for Your Life, a zombie game in which you're trying to escape the zombies. It's pretty neat because it's an open-ended game, in that you have basic rules about how the game works, but it's up to you to decide what your objectives are. Are you playing entirely cooperatively or competitively or in teams or what? The way it's set up, you you choose the length of the game also, so I think there's quite a few different scenarios that could be played if you choose to play the solitaire. For example, you could control a team of players, or you could play one person alone. I think you could probably even manage it where you're playing as zombies trying to capture the humans. This is another one I think doesn't have much time left. And the last piece of news is non-Kickstarter. Okay, that's it for the news. Now, what I've been up to. So next is what I've been up to. Recently, I got to be on the Spiel podcast. They have a small segment, it's a new segment, in which they have a Somalia challenge. Basically, they come up with some sort of criteria for games, and you get to find five games that meet that criteria. So I was on there, and my challenge was... Five game, find five games that have, that don't have solitaire rules, but should. It was fun to do. I don't think I did very well, and it probably shows, but you should go check it out. It was the most recent episode, and I'll have a link for it. So yeah, you should check that out. Now, something else I've been up to lately, I've been to the thrift store a few times recently, and I've had surprisingly good luck. The last couple weeks, I found three games that are solitaire friendly. First was Gumshoe a few weeks ago. It was a store I haven't been to in quite a while. This is a, a game made by the same people that made Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which I talked about about a year and a half or two years ago. And it's a game for one or more players. And in this one, this game is set in 1920s, I believe, in San Francisco, and you are a detective. It's really neat. I really like this because I lived in San Francisco for about 9 or 10 years. And it's got a really cool map of San Francisco, so it's neat to just look at that and you know, see all the places I recognize. 
though admittedly the, the city has changed quite a bit. That is also interesting to see. Then a few days later, I found Dungeons and Dragons, the electronic maze game. This is a game from like the 80s. And I haven't tried to play it yet. The game does seem to work, and it's mostly complete. And it apparently it's just some sort of a maze game, but it's Dungeons and Dragons themed. So that'll be fun to try. It's a one or two player game, but I think it's probably really more of a solitaire thing. And I'm not sure how much of a game it is. It seems it's more of a puzzle or activity. And the third one I just found yesterday, actually, is Castle Panic. This is a cooperative game. Which I've been eyeing for a while. They have it in my friendly local game store, and whenever I'm there, I'll look at it, pick it up, saying, hmm, should I buy it today or not? I was very happy to find a copy in excellent condition and complete. So I'm really looking forward to trying this one out. I've heard very good things about it. So, besides that, I've been working on putting together a print and play game, The Land of Enin. It's a very small print and play game, which is basically like nine cards and a bunch of counters. Really nice looking game. I put that together. And have played it once. Now, next thing I want to do is make a little box for it. I got into that because of the Solitaire Gaming Month. On the Solitaire Gaming Month geek list, uh, user friend list mentioned he'd been looking at games by Todd Sanders. He's designed quite a few Solitaire games, including a few steampunk ones. I went looking at his games again. I've kind of browsed through. I've kind of browsed with him briefly before a couple times, and I saw this one and said, "Hey, let me put it together. It's just nine cards. Really easy to do." Though there was a bit of uh, effort involved in getting the card fronts and backs to line up nicely. And so that brings me to the next subject, which is Solitaire Gaming Month. Remember, May is Solitaire Gaming Month. It's going pretty well. I started a geek list on BGG, and quite a few people are participating on that. If you are, you should come check it out. It's pretty fun. There's currently about 27 or so people committed to trying to play something. And maybe, unfortunately, I have found a few more new games that I'm interested in looking into now. At least new to me. I've been working on trying to play Night Fighter. I'm updating the geek list with the what I've been doing. I I have read through the rules. I have clipped or I have trimmed out a bunch of the counters. I've read through the solitaire rules. I am more or less, mostly less, ready to play. Not just a matter of finishing trimming the counters and brushing up on the solitaire rules. I think it will take me a couple plays to to really figure out the game better. It's definitely the kind of game that you aren't going to understand from just reading the rules. So definitely come check out the Geek List. Maybe sign up for a game if you haven't already. I will include a link to this in the show notes. And there's a link for it in the One Player Guild. So yep, Solitary Gaming Month is going on strong. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into Astro Novice Merchants Advanced. So today's game is Astro Novice Merchant Advanced by Wendell Martin Jr. and Jeffrey Rowe. This is a print and play game published originally in 2004. It's available through sites like RPG Now and Wargames Downloads and .com and stuff like that. In this game you play a person who's bought a freight ship and has six months to pay off the ship. You basically have to earn something like 1100 credits to pay off the ship or you lose it. And what you do is you're delivering cargo from planet to planet, making money, hopefully making money little by little, and hopefully making enough to, to pay off the ship at the end of the game. It's sort of like a, sort of like an independent truck driver. But I think this game really has its roots in 
in role-playing games like Traveler, in which you could do this sort of thing, or maybe other things like video games, such as, uh, well, going way back, there's a game I used to play on the Apple when I was in high school called Taipan, in which you were, you were buying goods in ports in ancient Japan and traveling to other ports and selling them. Or maybe in China, I don't remember. I think it's Japan. And there have been other games like this after Taipan. And there's a, another one that I used to play called Wing Commander Privateer, which is the same sort of thing. This is a video game again. Same sort of thing as Astronovice Merchant Advance, or Anma for short. Now I've been looking, and the oldest thing I could find in this style of play is probably the Traveler role-playing game, or maybe even Star Wars. I, I always thought of uh, Han Solo, sort of, though he was technically a smuggler, I always thought of him more as a traitor, much like the kind of character you play in Anma. So as I said, this is a print-and-play game. It is not a free game, but it is not very expensive. The game will cost ten ninety-five. And if you buy that, you get Astronovice Merchant Advanced and Astronovice Merchant, which is basically a simpler version of the game. So if you buy this game, what you get is 9 PDFs. 5 PDFs for the Advanced game and 4 for the Basic game, and some of the Basic game PDFs actually you'd use in the Advanced game too, really. So you have the Advanced Rulebook, which is about something like 6 pages, uh, a record sheet, so you could keep track of each of your turns in the game and all the stuff you, you're buying and selling. Planet cards that have information about the planets, some, some flavor text, as well as events. Uh, another PDF that has a list of the events. And another PDF for advanced tables. Besides that, you get the, then you get the basic PDFs, which is the map and the counters, the basic record sheet, the basic rule book, and the basic table and displays. And, you know, to play this, I've printed out the map and the counter sheets which is two pages, and then the tables, I think I printed out another six pages, basically, for the different tables. And I kept the rule book online, and every time I play, I print out one of the, uh, I print out the record sheets. So it's pretty easy to put together. There are some counters, which, you know, are a little bit trickier. What I did is I printed them out on sticker sheet, one-sided counters. I printed them out on sticker sheet, and then I cut them out with a hobby knife. So the game is pretty basic to play. What you can do to set it up is you're going to have your map display, which is basically, it's basically a hex map, though the spaces aren't hex shaped. They're, they're square shaped. Maybe just because that's easier to do. And then you're randomly going to distribute the planet counters using some basic rules. There, there's core worlds that are yellow and they go in the first two rows. Then there's outworlds, which take the next eight or so rows. And finally the last two rows are alien planets. And there's two alien planets. There is a total of about 22 planets in the game, and they're all used each time on the map. Because of the random distribution, sometimes you might find that in one game you're traveling short distances a lot. Sometimes you find out you're traveling very far. It just it sort of varies. It varies a lot. Once you set up the the planets, you then roll some dice again to see which planet you start on, and you begin the game. If you do anything on the planet, the first thing you do is roll for an event. The events are all generally bad. They don't happen that often, probably, I'd say, one in three turns or so. You're going to roll to see how many cargoes they are, and if they're a full load or a half load. You're going to see, you're going to roll to see what planets each cargo wants to go, needs to go to. And you're going to then roll to see what the cargo is specifically. And that depends on the type of planet you're on and the type of planet you're going to. 
you could choose to take any of those or leave those. Another thing you could do on the planet, oh, another thing you could do on the planet is refuel and finally get you know, repair your ship and maybe pick up passengers or captain's cargo to take with you to the next planet to the next planet you're going. So I should have mentioned it first, but there's a few different types of planets. As I said, there's core worlds, outer worlds, and alien planets. And besides that, the some of the planets are also just divided amongst agricultural planets, mining planets, the core worlds, which are, I guess, popu uh, heavily populated planets, and industrial planets. So the type of planet you're on, you know, determines what type of goods are available to deliver. The different types of goods have different costs. Besides the world type, they also have population densities, low, medium, or high, which will give you an indication of how many goods are, are available to deliver. And I think finally the, the other thing is a technology level, which could be a 1, 2, or 3. So anyway, let me go back to where I was before. You're in the planet, you pick some goods, and you load them on your ship, and then you take off. The next thing is traveling from one planet to another, and it's basically you're spending fuel to do that. The only other thing that happens is space you wrote at the beginning to see if you have any engine damage. You spend a few turns getting to the next planet, you roll to land, you roll for more events, and you unload your cargo and you get paid, and then you repeat on the next planet. That's basically how the game works. Now, in terms of gameplay, it reminds me a lot of B-17, Queen of the Skies, in that there's a lot of die rolling and a lot of looking up in charts. Unlike B-17, you actually have some choices in this game. You, know, you could choose which cargos to take. You could choose not to take cargos and wait till the next turn to roll again to see if there's better cargos. You you can choose to upgrade some things in your ship or not upgrade them. But you know, but that being said, a lot of times it it feels a little bit obvious in what you're doing. You know, whether you're going when you roll for cargo, you you might find that you, there's a full load and a half load available, and usually the full load is a better choice than the half load, whatever the goods are. Playing this game lasts about an hour, give or take. The game is up to 52 turns long, but you could end as soon as the 49th turn. You basically end at the 49th, but then you have a few extra turns to go if you're still traveling. Your goal to win the game is something like to make about 1,100 credits. I think I said that already. I enjoy this game. It's, it's not very complex, but it has some nice, you know, it has the opportunity for a neat narrative in it. And I think it's, it's the sort of game that's easy to expand upon if you if you're interested in doing that sort of thing. You could, for example, maybe incorporate it into another game, or maybe, or maybe modify the game. For example, the game you only have one ship. I keep thinking, boy, it'd be really neat if I could buy a bigger ship. So I've been thinking that maybe I could choose to play a longer game, twice the length, and somewhere in there have the option to spend a thousand credits to upgrade my ship. There is no combat, but that sort of thing couldn't probably be added pretty easily. The idea of maybe becoming a space pirate and stealing cargo and selling another planets could be pretty neat. Would be pretty neat. Now, when you play the game, there's two ways to play. You could use the record sheets like I've been doing, or you could use a, a table and, and some counters to keep track of your money and the goods you find and all that. I prefer using the record sheet because I could leave the game in the middle of a turn and come back and pretty much know where I'm at and not lose track of the game. It's much harder doing that using the the counters and charts to keep track of your, your game. Also, I often find I was making mistakes, maybe forgetting to pay for fuel or something like that, it's easy to go back and fix it if I've done it on paper. If I've just used a chart and only know my current statistics, then, you know, there's no way to fix my mistake. And I make lots of them. Okay, so that's it for Astro Novice Merchant Advance. I hope you enjoy hearing about this game. Remember to go and play something for Solitaire Gaming Month.
Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.